News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR on News Talk. Last week, the cardboard and packaging giant Smurfit Kappa confirmed that it was merging with the Atlanta based Westrock in a deal worth around 10 billion euro. It also told us that it would be delisting from the Dublin Stock Exchange in another blow to Euronext. But what does the deal mean for the industry? And is Smurfit shifting away from Europe and towards America? Ken Bowles is the Chief Financial Officer of Smurfit Kappa and is on the line. Good morning, Ken. Morning, Joe. Tell us more about Westrock. What do they do? Um, Westrock, well, quite similar to ourselves, really, but they have a, a beautiful consumer folding business in there, which is more primary pack. So there's a neat kind of complementarity between our strong position in corrugated packaging, secondary packaging mostly, with their primary pack. But they're also, you know, bigger than us, uh, particularly in North America, which was the biggest gap in our portfolio. So when you put Smurf and Westrock together, it's it's a very geographically balanced business across Europe, North America and Latin America and and the world's largest global leader in sustainable based pack, paper-based packaging. Now, when the deal was announced and confirmed last week, uh, your shares went down substantially and theirs went up. Ordinarily, that would mean that investors think that you're paying too much. Uh, I think, I think, unfortunately, the week before the, the full announcement, uh, there was a leak uh, from a journalist, and that created some small noise in the market around what the deal terms might be, which is where you tend to get some some urban hedge funds playing. I think what we found this week, though, Joe, is as we've had the chance to sit in front of investors and speak to them and, and explain the rationale, I think that message kind of getting through that you know it's less about the premium paid here; it's more about combining two very large scale businesses on a relative multiple. And, and remember, both sets of shareholders ultimately get to participate at a kind of 50% each in the in the Smurf and Westrock company that will continue on, but at a very low multiple for our sector. So I think, you know, it only represents good value now, but I think in time people see that as being incrementally better value. Smurf shareholders, though, they haven't had a great time of it of late. They've kind of almost flatlined over the past year and they're down almost 10% over the past five years. Is that why you did the deal? No, um, I think this is a deal we've been looking at for a number of years. I think people sort of, you have to look back through the last 18, 19 months. I mean, pre-war in Ukraine, our shares were at 50 euro a share and, and you will see most equity markets, you know, at that point in time when, when money left Europe and went back to the States, you know, European equity markets by their nature got, got hit hard. I think we've outperformed our peers on a relative basis for the last year. I, you know, I think the consequence of of consumer demand dropping has hit any consumer company, no more ours, no more than others. But on a relative basis, and, and particularly if you look through the last six, nine months, we've actually outperformed our peers on just about every metric, including share price. Was it totally necessary to delist from the Dublin Stock Exchange? Un- unfortunately, yes. Um, there's a there's a kind of a plumbing problem with, with Euronext being able to kind of talk to other exchanges, particularly Crest in the UK and DTC in the US. So it actually just makes it very inefficient for, for organisations to be able to allow shareholders to trade across platforms. Can you explain so, what you mean by the, that, those plumbing problems? It means it, it's not easy to trade to kind of swap shares that might be listed in the UK. Yeah. So generally, what you're trying to create for platform for shareholders is a platform where they can they can trade in your shares irrespective of where they are. And the Euronext platform just makes it difficult because you, you kind of isolate them from being able to trade through Crest or DTC. And it's a similar problem you've seen from, from other companies who have the same issue with Euronext and moving. It wasn't a decision we made lightly, but I think 
you know, the fact that, you know, we're still Irish domiciled, Irish headquartered, we still retain the Irish soul. It's just un- unfortunately that the Euronext listing has to fall away. Now, it, it does look as if you're tilting towards North America and possibly away from Europe. You say that you're still an Irish domiciled company, but you're listed, you're going to be listed in the, in the United States. And it looks as if you're making a very big push for that continent. Um, I suppose by nature of the, the, the scale of the operation we'll have there, but I think it's important to remember that you know 33% of our business will still be Europe. Um, so not in, inconsequential, we'll still be the largest producer of corrugated packaging in Europe and the largest producer of paper in Europe. So our, our scale in Europe is not diminished. I think what we've added on here is a very large business in North America. I think, Joe, in, in the context of the listing, you know, a, a business of this scale, Really, when you look at our peer set, the European peer set is really not the relevant peer set anymore. Our, the relevant peer set is, is the US. And I suppose looking for a benchmark in, in the, the largest and most liquid and deepest capital markets is where we should be. So this organization of this scale should properly be placed in the US with a peer set that represents its, its size and scale and the markets that represent its size and scale. Is it becoming more and more difficult to innovate in the cardboard sector? No, I, I think it's it's... It's actually just, it's, it's the constant challenge, um, but it's what our customers want. I think as, as time moves on, you, you know, you, you, new things come along. I mean, if, if we look at paper itself, you go back 10, 15 years, the, the weight of paper, the basis weight, as we call it, was much, much higher than we have now. So that's, in the last five years, you know, we're making paper on 80 gram paper, same as you'd make a you know, sheet of paper that's been make, made in boxes now versus 100, 120 gram paper. We constantly do that, you know, new barriers for food. Ourselves last year, you know, we, we introduced the Thermobox, which is designed to replace kind of polystyrene boxes for things like fish travel that can, can keep humidity, keep temperature. So the innovations are constant. And, that, and that's the, A, the challenge, but also the, the wonderful part of this. And I believe you. paper is very durable. And I believe you're coming up with cardboard tents. And I, and I, and I mentioned that in the context of the electric picnic in which, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of tents were simply abandoned and they're the fiber tents. Uh, whereas a cardboard tent would be far more recyclable or reusable. It is, and the car tent is something we've we've had in, in operation for four or five years now, particularly at, at festivals in Holland. I think maybe sometimes the Irish weather is not as conducive to a tent over a cardboard tent over three or four days. Would they, would, um, they, would they become mushy after a few days, or would they survive a day or two? It would take. Oh, they'd survive a day or two. These are these are kind of a craft liner tent with a coating on the outside that they, they can withstand a lot. Uh, to be fair to them. But like you say, the, the beauty is fully recyclable at the end and we, we get to make uh, fresh boxes from them. Yeah. Uh, you've been with the company almost 30 years, Ken. Would you not be tempted to try something different? Um, no, I, I kind of love it here, I, I suppose. But you have to look back over my 30 years and, and the reality that, you know, whether it's Jefferson Smurfer Group or Smurfer Kappa, as it became, and now Smurfer Westrock, it's been an organisation that's had constant change, constant challenge, constant growth. And for me, constant opportunity. So no, um, I'm unless unless my board tells me, Joe, I'm not going anywhere. Well, we'll watch for that as well, of course. Ken, congratulations on almost making three decades. Ken Bowles there, the Chief Financial Officer with Smurfit Kappa. News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR on News Talk.